Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Oh, hey, Brian. What's going on, man? Warhammer stuff. Warhammer stuff. Dark Elf Towers. All right. So <laughs> let's go ahead and get a quick round of introductions. It's obvious. It's not just you and me in the in the studio. So. I didn't hear anybody else. What are you no, talking about? No, not yet. So we'll start off with you got the Conzi with the most here. As uh, one of your glorious hosts on this fine and wonderful podcast. And, uh, Brian, we got you, obviously. And you yep, want to go ahead and introduce I'm here. yourself? Uh, Brian or Stark Raving Mad. All right. Who else <laughs> we have in the studio? Justin is back for another go, also known as Noisy Assassin. Excellent. And uh, we have one other strange voice that's going to be on this show. Kenny, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, I think there, you have a, a little bit of your own, uh, some kind of podcast or thing that you do too, right? Yeah, I'm Kenny, and I have a podcast, which is way more low budget than this one. I feel very <laughs> inadequate. I have like a microphone in my face, and you have colored tape. We can't afford colored tape. But that's Combat Phase. Combat Phase is, what, what, what does the show focus on? It's It's... If I remember, it's not just a Warhammer show. No, no, we cover pretty much everything in the miniature wargaming hobby. So all the different games, lots of aspects. Lots of different kind of points of view. You, you're, you've gotten some mm-hmm. authors and whatever to talk also on the show, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we started uh, the Warhammer Fantasy Book Club, because as far as I know, there's not one out there. So we, uh, we've done one episode of that. We've, we've had some authors, Guy Haley, interviewing C.L. Werner on Wednesday. So yeah, it's we get our Warhammer fix in there a little bit. That's excellent. That's excellent. So folks, if you you're listening to this and whether you agree with Kenny or not with his opinions throughout the rest of the show, go check out go check out the combat phase. It's uh you know, a great show. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I enjoy listening to it. I've I've caught several other episodes or it's a great show and it's great to have Kenny in studio here with us today so thanks a lot for coming in guys you too dustin you dustin you're almost here enough nowadays to almost be called a host i i show up just enough that people recognize me but not enough to actually gain any sort of responsibility and that's the leopard skin pants <laughs> there's not much responsibility at this point at this point brian doesn't have a whole lot of responsibilities yet either <laughs> There's a sword clang. <laughs> oh man, he's killing it already. Family friendly, family friendly. That's why you put buddy. the clangs in there, man. Oh my god, you're killing me here, killing me. Yeah, you, when you have to edit this stuff, you won't be, uh, you'll be swearing a lot less too. But I always make sure to remind you after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which makes it more work to edit. <laughs> I can't just silence it out then. Oh, it's tough. We got to unionize. All right. So, what do we intend to cover today, Brian? What are we talking about? What's the point of this show? I think there was some kind of big battle or something like that that happened. Yeah, we we played a mega battle at a convention recently. Um, we've talked about the kind of the prep and the thoughts leading up to it. And you know, folks tuned into Garage Hammer or at least one of the Ohio Hammer shows, they probably heard an ad for it. And then uh, we are going to go ahead and, and kind of cover the mega games, the the multiplayer games, a little bit more detail and things and tips that you might be able to use towards. Uh, running your own multiplayer games since the Games Workshop just put out the, their own multiplayer game supplement that you can pick up. Isn't that right, Kenny? Yes, and it's great. Yeah, you picked it up, didn't you? Yeah, I got it. Uh, we reviewed it like th- two or three days after it came out. And, and what was it called? Because I can't remember. Triumph and Treachery. Excellent. Thank you. So, yeah, we're going to 
Well, we will not be reviewing Triumph and Treachery because the only person here in studio I think that owns it is Kenny and none of the rest of us have used it. Uh, we're, we are going to go ahead, though, and talk about our own experiences with multiplayer games in the past and various tricks that you might be able to throw into any games like this you might run because I think we all agree that they are a blast to play in, aren't they? Isn't that right? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. Was, that was some <laughs> excitement there. Let's go ahead then and, and talk a little bit about, like we usually do here, about what we what we've been doing for the last few weeks. Why don't we go ahead and start with you, Brian? What, what have you have you done anything hobby oriented since the last time we talked? You got any games in, whether it's Warhammer or something else? I don't think I played any games besides the Mega Battle at all. Yeah, but I did get some hobby in. Excellent. So it's been super busy the last month or so, but I have started the next five ghouls. I think my other, I think I had the 10 completed. Yep. Like completely. But yeah, so I'm nearly done with five more already. So that was just in the past couple weeks. So that's pretty cool. I know you've been wanting to play the, the vampire counts a little more too. That, that correspond with putting the effort in painting wise, making you kind of more excited to play the army? A little bit of both. I've just been enjoying playing them lately. So, and yeah, it is what I'm working on. So it's nice to play what I'm working on for the little bit of inspiration. Sure thing. Sure thing. Okay, and Dustin, if you, I know you've been hobby you you hobbied at least today, but what else you been working on? My big push lately has been getting my goblin army ready for Merry Mayhem. Merry Mayhem, very exciting. So what is this Merry Mayhem thing? <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Legends tell of a tournament held in December in the city of Madison, where those who are jolly and gay. Gather together. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah, creepy <laughs> Santa over there. Jingle bells in here. <laughs> hey, don't make me put my Santa costume on. <laughs> yes, folks, I do Santa own a Santa costume. He hasn't made an appearance for he, He'll be there this year. Uh-oh. Oh, you tried it here first. Santa. Yep. <laughs> I kind of got mocked a little bit last year for not dressing up. So I know. What the hell? Santa Another be... sword clang. <laughs> it's not holiday without a domestic disturbance. <laughs> so, yeah. Santa will be looking for all the little kids we should, on his lap. We should get like a reindeer. Just a free roaming reindeer. That would go well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> I might have with problems that. with the venue on that one. But yeah, Mary, yeah. So why don't you go so, ahead and continue? So yeah, uh, <laughs> enough nonsense. <laughs> Working on some goblins. It's been fun to get back into that army after a while. Um, also been doing some construction work on Warriors of Chaos. Some very unique warriors of chaos. Yes, they are Nipponese themed, so uh, basically the Warhammer World's version of Japan. Love Got it. some Bestigore models that are being converted into warriors. I bought them all pre-used, so there's one pile of fully assembled Bestigores, and next to them, a pile of the warriors that they're becoming. It's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, it was... Yeah, we were looking at it, and and everybody kind of walked up that was, didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, are you working on uh, Beastman there, Dustin? And once you, if you've been around Dustin's armies long enough, you should realize that whatever it looks like probably is not what it is. <laughs> well, not what it will be. Usually, by the time it's done, it's it looks it's pretty clear. Yep. So that's cool. No, that's that's really cool, and. Gameplay-wise, have you had any games of note lately? 
Well, I uh, may have had a game against the Conesy. We we disavow knowledge of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was playing Chaos Dwarves with a leadership bomb sub theme, twin hell cannons, uh, level four on death for the doom and darkness, and we had uh, Watchtower, and game ended up being decided by a leadership check that was in no way related to Hell Cannon bombings or Doom and Darkness. <laughs> Just one bad roll causing some uh, some Big. crossbow elves yeah. to not get into the tower. So you were playing your dark elves, and they're yeah. not a fan of Watchtower, I hear. No, no. I, I'm playing a very avoidance, uh, chaff-heavy army, so lots of, like, shades and small units very ms very msu shooty i just didn't have once the the once the big cast dwarf block got into the tower i didn't have a good way that with the hard cover the repeater crossbows just aren't enough to shoot and kill that and i lost my l4 at that point so i didn't have uh dwellers i could throw and it just turned out to to not be conducive it we did find out that witch elves can still kill the dickens out of chaos dwarves. Just I couldn't kill them <laughs> fast enough with the twelve witch elves I had. Oh yeah, that was kind of painful. So yeah, it was a tough game. Uh, my list is really not geared. That's like the one one battle I'm almost out of losing every time. I think. So, but yeah, if I would have passed that leadership check, I would have had the the unit in the tower that turn that would have had that that 20-man repeater crossbow unit in the tower and then it would have been bombard bombard charge see if you can break me out of it yep would have been uh close but i think you probably would have had the advantage yeah and there would have been i would have had a few more options for kind of trickery to try to keep you out of the tower so mm-hmm. trying yeah, to get everybody in the way that's so kind of the way it goes <laughs> So, anyways, that was that was not my only game. So, well, go ahead and, um, Kenny, what have you been up to? You know, you've been kind of new to the the Madison Warhammer scene. What do you think of it? It's nice so far. You want me to just talk about Warhammer stuff? Uh, whatever you want to talk about here. This is our kind of what have you been doing for the last couple of weeks segment. And since you're new, we'll find out about you. Besides school, lots of school. Well, I've been assembling a bunch of dwarfs and lizardmen together. Sure. So put together. Uh, an extra a troglodon and a bastilodon, which I'm finishing right now. All the big baddies. Yeah, we're doing. I'm doing a monster mash. We talked about it on one of our shows, like getting ready for Halloween. <laughs> so I threw the challenge out there. I think I'm going to play Mark and his demons. Sure, that sounds cool. It's a big monsters. I, I definitely would like to take you up on that monster mash challenge with my dark elves at some point too. I'll do a monster mash dark elves oh, versus monster mash. <laughs> That'll actually I can whip out the dragon and stuff. Yeah, it's, oh, I'm going to do terrible, because it's not going to be very practical, but they'll be big and stompy, so why not? Sure, sure. Unless we give stupid watchtower. Yeah. <laughs> watchtower? Yeah. Well, if we're both if both players are playing Monster Mash, then it's kind of even then, though. So, you know, if we're both players have tons of monsters, then, yeah, Watchtower becomes more of a fair, fair game than I think. Hmm. We can try it. Uh, and I'm putting together some Avatars of War Dwarfs. So there's the box of Pathfinders, and then the box uh, was the Rangers, and then there's the box of the Thunderers. Sure. Those are pretty cool-looking models, honestly. Yeah, I like them. I, like, I will admit that like, the Avatars of War stuff, why it looks great, and their alternative models, they look, you know, they're something different. As you get all their units, they all do look very uniform, and so all of a sudden you kind of lose that uniqueness because... <laughs> Yeah, they're all different, but they all kind of look the same on their side. 
Yeah, that's been one of my complaints with Eighth Ed Warhammer. Period. Too is you get these huge, huge units now, and they the units start to lose when you have, you know, like the Storm Vermin are such a cool model. But when I put forty Storm Vermin in a unit, the coolness of that individual <laughs> model just kind of kind of blurs out to like a static. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the hammer unit. They all have the yep. big hammer. Up. <laughs> like, all right, yeah, I get I, it. I can say those the the GW hammer model was never intended or designed for forty man units. No. <laughs> it's like synchronized swimming, but with hammers. Sixteen to twenty was the unit size back when those you know yeah. max unit size you saw on the table back when those were made. So, I feel like I want to give them all protest signs to hold up, <laughs> <laughs> like John three sixteen or written in runes. <laughs> so played a couple games Played Battle for Carrot Gate Peaks Which was a lot of fun Yep We're going to talk about that one I think later What else did I play? I got one or two games in At Last Square oh, I played Grant Yeah I played Grant as Chaos Dwarves Yeah let's talk about that That was just last Saturday wasn't it? <laughs> yeah I got my butt kicked Okay Well well, how what what was Grant playing? Uh, he brought a, a Kadai Destroyer Three of the Fireborn, is that what they're called? Uh, yeah, I think so. Is that Three right? Kadai. The, the, the yep. Fireborn, yeah. Kadai Fireborn yeah, well, I guess the you small ones. We, we conveniently have a Chaos Dwarf <laughs> player in studio here. <laughs> what else did he have? He had a big unit of the uh, guards. He had some uh, Hobgoblin Wolf Riders. A level 4 Sorcerer who turned 1, he cascaded off and <laughs> thought that that was it. That's game. We'll, we'll, we'll play it on and see what happens. Uh, and then I, I don't even remember what else he had. I don't, he, don't think he, he didn't have any yeah. shooting. Nope, he had no shooting. I think there was a, the unit of four bull centaurs with hand weapon shields. Yes, that was it. Mm-hmm. I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, he came. He came around. I just had no answer to the Kadai. So I was trying uh, a list that I was really trying kind of for uh, for Paka. <laughs> Tried to match the models. I was going to do three units of sword and board, which is a terrible idea. But I was going to do a unit of all female dwarves because from alternative lines. I wanted to do an entirely Norse dwarf. Like the throwback. Beards? Uh, some of them, some of them might, might put some on. It might sculpt some on. Proper, I'm pretty sure this woman have should have a beard and tickle her toes. <laughs> they, they have down. They have wispy down. Uh, and then a uh, imperial grab one. That thing and hang on. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how they do their housework too. Let's move their chin around. Oi! <laughs> so yeah, it was a terrible idea. Small units and. That's why people don't take small units. They're trying to play seventh edition, <laughs> I, I I do forget sometimes. I I have a combat. And I want to wrap my models around. Like, all right, I won. Let me wrap around. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that, that's definitely the challenge of sometimes uh, playing now in in as many editions and trying to remember uh, how does this work, and then and then somehow every once in a while I find myself applying. Uh, how this worked in like say seventh or or sixth edition, Just a brain fart, and then <laughs> and then later being pointed out or or having it argued that I'm wrong and and I swear up and down, oh yep, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, and then we look it up and I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't happen too often, but it happens enough that it's embarrassing when it happens. <laughs> oh, another thing, we can just blame it on age. We're getting older. Definitely feel I can. Do that. <laughs> Don't really want to admit that I'm old and still play with toy soldiers, though. <laughs> Studio full of whippersnappers here. <laughs> uh, so I know I got kind of showed up about halfway through there, and I was catching kind of a couple of Twitter pe- tweets about uh, 
about the game, and I'm like, okay, Kenny's sounds like he's doing good, and then I show up, and it's like, <laughs> what happened? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was shameful. But then we, we went out to lunch, and that was great. It was just kind of cool just to sit and hang out with you and Grant for lunch and talk and, and catch up and and talk about various things, whether it's running events and silly things that's happened recently or happened in our gaming lives and that kind of thing. It was that was a ton of that was a ton of fun. Yeah, and it's nice because I'm new out here, so I don't know all the events where people go to play. I you know I just I don't know all this stuff, so it's sure. it's nice that you kind of forget that stuff. So yeah, it was it was a, a good time, and and then uh, I guess that kind of transitions then well to me because. I then played Grant that afternoon, and that was fun. And that was probably my best Dark Elf outing that I had. So I got revenge for you. <laughs> oh, good. I, I basically gave Grant a, a uh, frustrating game, I think, for him because he's playing the Cast Dwarves, and if you, you know, I don't know, I don't know that you've seen my Dark Elf list, but my Dark Elf list I was playing like that day, seventh edition Dark Elf. Uh, <laughs> Almost my, sixth, but nah, not quite. My sixth and seventh edition Dark Elves. My sixth edition Dark Elves had a dragon in it. Well, like the old book. How about that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was playing. Well, so I had an L four. I'm running uh, recently. I'm running an L four Lore of Life. I'm then running a level two Lore of Dark and a level two Heavens in this game. I've been playing with that that third level two. I've been playing with Lores, trying to see what works best. Need some common um, action. I, I started. I, well, I started trying it with beasts, and that didn't work. And Comet, yeah, yeah. I really. It, it's a. Lo- <laughs> I. I have so many other big spells that Comet's not a really good one. I was nope. looking for comp really good, not necessarily high casting value signature spell type casting that works kind of synergizes better with what I'm trying to do army wise, so that the wizard isn't just running around as a scroll as carrying around a dispel scroll. So, and my level two dark runs around on a dark steed. So. And then the level four life is on foot. Then I my core I fill it in with twenty repeater the, the repeater crossbow elves. I think the dark shards. I get another unit of ten dark shards. Um, Do you have a monster? I had two hydras, and then I had you have dark um, riders in there. Two hydras, yeah. Two units of dark riders. One and with a standard, one with a musician. I've had two units of six shades, uh, just with repeater crossbows. No great weapons. Two repeater bolt throwers, which I forgot to field in this game. <laughs> oh, really? And yeah, that was additional <laughs> insult to injury when the game got done. Like, oh man, I forgot to field those. <laughs> yeah. And I had, I think that's about it. I don't think there was much more. Oh, I had to do it on a Pegasus. I had to do it on the Pegasus with the Twilight Cloak. So the Killing Blow and D three extra wound or D three wound. On the tourney charges with a lance and one up armor save, so he was and he was a hero this time. I was running him as a master. So big things to note, like uh, so those fireborn. I, I don't know if they gave you a problem, but apparently a uh, here uh, dark elf master on a pegasus combined with a hydra smokes that unit in one turn. I hear they're not that great. I don't know. Do you even run them? Dustin? I've never tried running them. What I've uh, heard around the Chaos Dwarf community is that they're fun, but any unit smaller than about eight is really not worth running. And once you hit that many, they're just so expensive. Wow. Yeah, there 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 was like three or four of them in the unit, and the 
and the master on by himself killed three on the charge. <laughs> really? Wow. Yep. He just killed three before the you know anything else swung because he's highest in initiative with ASF. So. They're like monstrous infantry. I don't. Think yeah, they're monstrous yeah, infantry. Okay, they but they only the have two wounds each. Really? So. That's yeah. They're weird. They're tough four with two wounds and then. Uh, a ward save and the Kadai rule where non magical weapons need to re roll to wounds. Oh, sure. I think they would be three wounds though. That's weird. You'd think. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. And then uh anyways, uh so that that was uh, one of the big notes because then it kind of freed up my left flank. And then the other big note was so when in doubt with a Kadai and I'm pretty sure I had nothing I could deal with that Kadai destroyer on the table. It was Oh my god, there's a Kadai and so I just double fled the Kadai with the two units of Dark Riders for like four turns of the game. <laughs> oh, and nice. then like on turn five, I finally, I'm like, I have this one, I ran, I ran out of, I mean, one of the units of Dark Riders, I think, fled or died or ran off the table or something like that. And so I only had the one unit of Dark Riders left it. And at that point, I just jammed the, like, and he was like down to two models. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to lose this pretty quick anyway. So I'm just going to take the charge and force the angle at this point. So it's so far off that he has to basically, turn the model he's gonna face a building after the charge and since it's frenzy he has to overrun and I'm like okay well charge my dark rider I hold as long as I pass the terror check and now you're gonna have to stop one inch away from that building and next turn on turn on your six you get to turn him around and face me and yay that's your game I nice. did nothing it was great ah. brutal for Grant though because I he, he didn't know there was you know he came up to Madison for the day and didn't, you know, I think he went and walked away from playing me a little bit with the feeling of I didn't play Warhammer because they, <laughs> I dictated the game to him almost entire, almost 100%. He could never get into combat anywhere he wanted to. Um, I was playing, I pulled every slippery eel trick I knew out of the book and avoided him, dodged him, shot him, magicked him. I only cast Dwellers once, though, on his big cast work block. That was disappointing, <laughs> but it was hard. I had to keep pushing my level 4 back and away to kind of to keep her out of scary Kadai range. Because so, that Kadai was doing everything it could to get into that level 4 <laughs> unit. So, Otherwise, that was a, it was a fun game. I had a great time, and I hope Grant did as well. <laughs> yeah, and it was... I've I've sniped off a couple other wins with that, with that style of a list now, so... Um, I'm really enjoying the play of it. It's it's uh, challenging every time I play. Unfortunately, I found uh, that Watchtower definitely I I really don't have a lot for for that particular scenario. But since since those first lists I've kind of put together when I first got the army book to what I've been playing recently, I'm much happier with the Dark Elves. It's definitely getting closer and closer to the refined list that I would like to play. So very happy with it. I'm I'm. So far, pleased with the new book. Seems to be working good. So good. All right, and all right. So let's go ahead at this point. Uh, we've been talking for a little bit and kind of recap what we've been doing. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about the mega battle we played in at Game World Con. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. They have the huge selection of miniatures. Everything from five millimeter scale all the way up to twenty five, twenty eight. Everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, 
with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. All right. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. And uh, we are back once again. And it's awesome. That was very nice. Yep, it was. <laughs> That's because I, I did it. And I'm very nice. <laughs> and, and I had just have a little ego. Just a little one. Itty bitty. All right, so we are actually back and, and enough fooling around here, folks. Let's go ahead and talk about the GameholeCon experience. The whole. And in, in particular, the Mega Battle that we played. It was, what, the, the Battle for Carrick Eight Peaks. We were trying to recapture the that classic dwarf versus goblin feel of a battle. And I thought we did that pretty cool. It was pretty good. We had... I think two dwarf players and two goblin players at one time playing. And at for the some same reason, time. some tomb kings showed up. Brats yep, were there too. Kings, and it's like a host for some reason. It took a left turn at Albuquerque <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, they the Brats kept being the only ones inside the hold. They just magically appeared there. We, we had dwarfs yeah. in the hold at one they had a point. Secret passage. Yeah, that was kind of a courtesy though. They, they got to re rack and come in inside. <laughs> Otherwise, no. Oh, you broke in at the end. No, I never no. got in. <laughs> I just sat at the gates. I held the gates. Oh, no, I did get in. I did have break-in. I finally did bust in. You're right. That one unit. <laughs> it was like, I think the Iron Breakers. That one unit Iron Breakers broke in near the end of that game before I had to re-rack. We left the beer in there. Game Con, though, in, in general, this is a convention that's new to Madison. It's dedicated to gaming and in tabletop gaming and not in particular no role play or uh, role playing games board games ccgs card, those collectible card games lcgs whatever other card games uh, that kind of thing. and and then and then miniatures games it was the the full you know what we would think of as a tabletop gaming experience it's no video games uh, no anime really no all that other silliness just gaming and it's, you know, what I would think, what I think of as gaming. As a small con, I mean, it's not a, it wasn't huge by any, any scope or means. And I think some of it was possibly because of the size of the venue and, and such that they had that kept it a little bit smaller than I think what they would have liked it to be. Um, I thought if we're a first year con of that, of its type and size here in town, that was, I had a, I had a great and enjoyable time. And I was able to, to, I was there the the whole time, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so I was there for almost the entirety of the convention. I had a great time, and I was able to check out some of the other stuff and, and play in at least one other game that was at the convention. And uh, I, I thought it was good. What did, what did you guys think? What was your experiences like? I thought it was pretty cool. I, like you said, I was really impressed with how much stuff they did get in there for a first time. I mean, there was just a ton of stuff going on. They had a lot of guests, and there was games, like, everywhere. I guess you really did have to schedule your games, though, was the main thing to do. Like, everything was, like, by sign-up, pretty much. So you had to kind of lay your day out to make sure you were constantly doing something sure. for the regular guests or whatever. I mean, I just came out and hung out and did our thing, so mm-hmm. I didn't really do anything else at all. So <laughs> that was I th- all I did. I know they had they had open a, a, lot, a pretty decent-sized open gaming area, but open gaming is so difficult. I've always found at conventions... 
unless you're playing with your game group. And then at that point, why am I paying for a convention pass if yeah. I'm going to go sit and play games with the guys I play with normally? I did hang out in there a little bit. There was usually quite a bit going on in there, actually. And, yeah, it was more or less just an area to play with people you already met. But I did play with a couple random people. Uh, like, the Mad Roland Dolls were there, so sure. you brought your derby game. I played that once with a yeah. couple of them and then a couple random guys switched in and out to play with and then there's just some other dudes where we got to jump in and play a couple different games so that was cool that's cool in the open gaming room okay. i did play munchkin randomly too yeah you played that friday night friday night yep. yeah after the monster mash it was like midnight by the time we were done with the game or yeah they were closed trying to close the game room <laughs> they kicked we were us like, out you guys yeah. are the last game yep so that was good. That's been a long time. I haven't played Munchkin. In I haven't played it forever. Forever. probably forever. since the last time you played it. It was probably the last yeah. time I did. Probably. It was probably my copy of Munchkin that was getting played. <laughs> yeah. So, Dustin, what do you think of Game Hole Con as a whole? You were just there for Saturday, right? Or were you yeah, there for more I, of it? Yeah, I just showed up on Saturday for the Mega Battle event. Uh, kind of got to wander around otherwise. It was like I had looked into doing more. But, like Brian said, everything was so scheduled out, and um, I just didn't know what my day was going to look like. So I know. I wish that, I would have signed up for stuff, too. That but made I didn't me... Really I think we if doing. more stuff had been walk-in, um, I would have been more likely to participate. But I was perfectly happy just doing the Warhammer stuff, which I had a blast with. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to, uh, to like, Gen Con and stuff like that, and just from personal experience, I think the the convention experience is always better when you're able to sign up for some things to, at the convention to, to do and participate in. Um, without that, you know, even if there are walk-up stuff, you tend to run out of them, or or if it's a, a big con like Gen Con, you, they tend to be packed. Yeah, constantly <laughs> where you just can't get in to do it because it's there's a line or there's you know always somebody else there you know you don't, you have to sit there and wait and the one thing I cannot stand is having to wait oh hey I got to wait forty minutes in line before I can do this one thing that's going to play you know maybe it takes up thirty minutes of my day well I spent thirty I played got to play thirty minutes but I waited forty five minutes to do it Ugh. no I'm sorry no thank you so. Something that's just definitely worth uh, for all of you guys and the listeners and uh, uh, and guys here in the studio. It's definitely if you're thinking about going to a convention, whether it's a big one like Gen Con or a little one like uh, Gamehole Con was, to make sure you try to look at you know if, if you have time and have a chance to sign up for some events, so yeah. that'll help you. It definitely enhances your experience. Yeah, so, it was really easy to sign up too. It was just a matter of figuring out what you wanted to do, win kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have that time to put in the planning sure. for it, and I didn't really know what was going to happen with our stuff either. Mm-hmm. But so, Kenny, what did, did what did you think? Uh, it was this is uh, obviously the first year Gamehole Con, and and you're probably your first, what your first Madison Con, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of getting the benefit of your experience now. <laughs> I learned from your mistakes for next year. It, it was fun. I liked it. Uh, it was hard to park, but I guess yep. that's oh, nothing really? new, really. I didn't have a problem. I guess by the time <laughs> I got there, it was way out. Yeah, it was fine. I didn't realize they had like the food, uh, like trucks outside. I never grabbed anything. It seemed like it was pretty cool Probably stuff. Should yeah, that, was, that was something cool they did. They had uh, like three or four uh, food trucks outside of the yeah. hotel. Otherwise, there wasn't really anything close, so yeah, they, it was really good to have those carts. There, yeah, we ate sure. at the Starbucks there. Yeah. 
had like a, a muffin <laughs> and a, a bar. I think I gave you yeah. a bar or something. It was like food for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty nice. I, I enjoyed our game. The one thing I, I would have liked a little bit more is to be able to walk around, I think, and observe and kind of window shop other games. Sure, sure. No, it's always a good thing, too. Um, I, I definitely, I, I, I didn't get a lot of time Saturday at all because being tied to a, basically a game that you're running doesn't give you a lot of freedom. And since it was all day, I didn't get a chance to, to really get away on Saturday. But I got a chance on Sunday when I came back to to get away from the con or get, you know, cause I had a, I came back Sunday. I had a game of ticket to ride. I was playing in the morning. It was a, with a Frank Menzer. And if you don't remember him or you don't know who he is, he's a, uh, famous from or quasi famous anyways, from his time at TSR and working with Gary Gygax and, and developing, helping develop and developing some of the, some of the old classic Dungeons and Dragons modules and being, uh, uh, being played his modules and play having played with some of the games that he helped create for Dungeons and Dragons back when I played a lot of RPGs or when I was only an RPG gamer. Uh, that was really cool to play Ticket to Ride with him and get understand why this uh, Ticket to Ride, this Sunday morning Ticket to Ride game has has originated from. Apparently, him and Gary had uh, Gary introduced him to the game, and then at every con that the two would be at, they would play Ticket to Ride and. It took him, it was only ever the last time he got to play Gary Gygax that he actually beat him and uh, before Gary died. And uh, so now at every con that he goes to, he tries to organize and run a Sunday morning game, a ticket to ride, which is so, so it was really cool to get that story. And then every, you know, we kind of started out with everybody that's met Gary and I had met Gary while he was still alive to, to retell a, a story, a story about uh, how you met him or, or, uh, how you knew Gary. So that was, it was a really cool kind of thing to do for me. It was, and then, and then I got to walk around the vendor hall for a little while and see some of the other games that were going on. And Sunday, it definitely was died on. It was not nearly as busy as it was Saturday, but it was still really cool to mm-hmm. just be able to hang out one day at the con for a while and, and check things out and, and be able to have that chance to, to see what else was going on. All right. So then we get into the game we played in on Saturday. And that was the Battle for Carrick Egg Peaks, um, which we had, I think, 24 feet of table. And because of the hotel, the tables the hotel had, it was only three foot wide. So we had to make a, we had to add a, I had an impromptu had to make up a special rule for deployment, <laughs> which I thought worked okay, um, to handle, to handle that after the game started, uh, to, uh, because of the limited width of the table that we had, which also made the the Warhammer play a little more interesting and I think a little more aggressive and combating, which uh, probably led to more model deaths because <laughs> there was less room to run away and, and and get out of the way of stuff when you you know because of the three foot wide table. So overall, did everybody have a good time? Did everybody enjoy the game that we played, or was there? Uh, or did it just stink and was terrible? <laughs> that stunk. Uh, figured you'd say never that. do it again. You say that after every mega battle. <laughs> I think he just says that know. after everything, everything in general. No, not really. Overtly positive kind of guy that he is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It it was cool enough, I guess. I was just I was exhausted already, and it was just rough being there all day, kind of thing for me. Yeah, I think you got to sleep in. What are you talking about? Sleep in. I'd I was be there at like I, ten I was, o'clock or something. Yeah, we well, we left the con <laughs> the previous day. I know. Like I was. I was one o'clock. Yeah, it was like 
after midnight. And then sure. I had to get up and haul all that junk in. <laughs> you know, at like 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I was up at like 7-something here loading the stuff in my car. Yeah. And it was a full car of stuff I brought in. So that was kind of nuts. I probably brought a one, probably six foot of table, too much train. And we probably could have been, we would have been fine with six foot less of table, but. You know, that's an important point too that I had to learn when I went out to bits for the, my first event. And is, if you have any listeners that have not been to an event yet, or if they're maybe younger, they should know that these things start early in the morning or, you know, early for us. So like having to get up at seven or eight <laughs> in the morning on a Saturday and a Sunday to play your Warhammer game. You can just be prepared for it, especially if you're going to be out drinking and partying the night before. <laughs> Sleep is highly overrated at these events. What are you talking about? Yeah, the Wapaka experience equals about five hours of sleep for the entire weekend. There's a hangover award to win. Oh, I have a shot of winning then if everyone's just too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of worried at, uh, was it Blood in the Sun? I thought I thought that somebody at one point might throw up on the table. And I was like being <laughs> a little cautious. Like, oh. It really jo- no, it wasn't Johnny. But <laughs> <laughs> No, Johnny can hold his alcohol. <laughs> no, it's one of the lightweights that were probably partying with Johnny the night before that couldn't <laughs> hold their alcohol. Um, that's that that doesn't happen at Wapaka at all. <laughs> but uh, that that aside, though, yeah, there's definitely definitely plan your time <laughs> wisely for for uh, if you want if you wander, you're the kind of person that needs sleep. Uh, make sure that you pay attention to when things are starting and closing, so you get get the sleep you're looking for. At whatever event you're going to. But yeah, back to the mega battle. Back to the mega battle. So <laughs> so this was, uh, what was the, uh, you guys kind of, we, we did the structure of the game where it was, um, you play, you deploy in a, a four foot by four foot section of the, of the board and you're playing your turn basically in sequence with the player that's across the board from you. And if there was no player across the board from you, it was then sequence your turn with the player that's directly to your right. If at any point you were wiped out to the point that you did not want to continue, you could walk away from the game. If you had other events you wanted to go do during the day, you could walk away from the game. So if you had wanted to buy, like, you know, wanted to play in a board game or something like that that was running in the one to three window, you could go do that for that window and then come back to the game after that. Um, and then you had, um, and then when you would come back, you're, when you, if you rejoin the game later, or if a new player at joined the game, they would just deploy in the next available four by four zone on the board and, and have it it when sequence, if there was nobody across from them, then they would sequence their turn with the player to the right and, and start going then. And, uh, I thought that the, the overall, the mechanic worked okay. I, I thought that worked pretty well. It was really cool that you could just jump in and out. I mean, we had those couple new guys come in and just check it out for as long as they had time for us. So that was really yep. cool. I thought that worked well. Yeah, and, and I, I think my favorite part of this was that you, when you got wiped out, you got to just come back in. So there was absolutely no pressure to be competitive with it. It was just, hey, we're all hanging out playing Warhammer. Let's have some fun. Yeah, try things. I know uh, Trevor was there playing his Beastman, and he was trying out all sorts of different units and stuff like that. <laughs> he was swap out this, put in this, change out, you know, change out units. Yeah, I was doing that all day too with the dwarfs. That was that was a nice touch, where you, you, it wasn't competitive at all. So you try one thing, and I want to try a different lore choice, or I want to try a different unit. 
Yeah, it was nice. I thought well, the turn sequencing made it kind of weird. <laughs> like that, that was a, sometimes a challenge. I think, yeah, because there was one time. I mean, usually it was all right, but there was just one really weird situation that Trevor put in, and it's like I was playing the orcs and goblins, one of the new guy walk ups mm-hmm. against him. So I was with just playing him across the way, and I think it was wasn't it? Were yeah, you, we we moved on. Kenny and Trevor to were next to us, but. Trevor just completely ignored Kenny's doors and, like, <laughs> hauled butt towards, like, his left side, which is where our game was. So he was in sequence with Kenny, but then, like, I was in sequence with the guy across from me, and, like, every 10 seconds seemed like Trevor wanted to, like, destroy me somehow, and it's like I still didn't even have a second turn yet. So it's yeah. like... <laughs> that was... I thought like, a little bit out of the spirit of what the game yeah, could have been. Like, I, 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 the targeting of Arby's next to each other was was fine but like the whole steering of an army yeah <laughs> toward just ignoring the slow moving army across from you and just turning your army to go fight to yeah. go crush somebody that, that was but it was cool that it happened too at the same time yeah. because it because realistically i think that they you know in an actual battle that's definitely something that could happen yeah. and at that point i thought or i thought by the time he got there the orcs and goblins kind of needed your help to bail them out, or they they or the they or well, I should say the orcs and goblins needed help to bail them out against you. Not really. I ended up like not doing anything. Like when I first showed up, I ended up being on the flank. I think wasn't it? It was Dustin and you were facing yeah. off. So I was in sync with you. I think I like took out his idol with one of my trebs or something like that Stupid treb. i was like trying to get out of the well whatever the holder and, and i never really made it and then the orcs and goblins showed up so i was trying to like reform a battle line because i was all like marching yeah, to get out of there that's true and the chaos I, of war yeah, i never really got to reform it and then yeah <laughs> it did kind of go back i and just kind of wasted without ever really putting on any offense my trebs were the main thing i just kept shooting monsters out <laughs> and that was really all i did i took out like the rogue idol and then i took out the dragon that showed up as one of the random events i guess yep. we didn't really mention those there was no. objective points and yep. depending on who held them at random times there would be kind of a balance to shift it make sure the battle was really staying even so if you're behind or whatever you'd get a boost to come back so at one point there was random monsters that showed up i think i took out the giant also so it was like three monsters was sure. my valiant kill of the day because <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I don't even i think once trevor's stuff got there i more or less just kind of i mean he was in my flank and i didn't really have any way to line anybody up so <laughs> it was just kind of gone yeah so it was kind of rough so I don't know. There was I think there was you know uh, overall though I thought the game was a great success. We I think there was some some things that came down then that you know while the whole day in general was very loose and pretty uncompetitive. Then we got to the final hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably the coolest time of it. I mean. I still wasn't doing much again, but that was probably my own fault. <laughs> yeah, you were kind of just laying back and. Well, know. my army was defensive, so it was probably I should have I should have just wrote up like an Aaron Tree list and just had everything charging everything. Screw it, kind of thing. <laughs> thing, but I was playing defensive, so I didn't really have a mean to like play my army offensively. <laughs> nobody was really. I think that last goal there was nobody. There was ended up being like four order players versus yeah. two disorder players. You know. Yeah, the for, uh, forces of uh, goblins uh-huh. versus four dwarf, you know, dwarf team players, and uh, well, I got it a little lopsided going in. 
it took four players to dig the objective to get enough objective <laughs> points to eke out a victory for the yeah, dwarves. It was by like a couple points. It was like yeah, by an objective point or yeah. two. So it was definitely the last few those last minutes. Like I like Trevor decided to like re rack his army, and then it was like, come on, deploy, come on, deploy. We need you to go. We need to go, go, go. We gotta get these objective points. And it's like at some point you're like, is he is he slow playing on purpose or is he or is he just uh. Uh, just being, you know, starting to lose his attention span because Trevor's a pretty young kid. And he got going, and then it just went, you know, with two dwarf players against his one beastman army. It didn't go well for him. <laughs> yeah, we finally, Kenny had a, a good point in the game. Yeah, finally. Because if he organ gunned off his bunker, and then it panicked, and that ran off. Uh, and then what else did I kill? I killed something besides that, too. I had a good kill. Yeah, I think... I don't remember what it was, but... But, uh, the yeah, slayers, the slayers ran up. Yeah, that's right. Like we get to do something finally. <laughs> we have done things since six Ed. <laughs> Here we come. Yep, and then you you grab like two three objective points there too, which was big. Yeah. Oh, that it says twelve inch dwarf charges. I always charge, and this is the only way you're going to get across the board. Managed to roll a twelve on a charge. <laughs> yep. No, that was yeah. You definitely scored some serious. Ser- serious end of the game objective points for for the dwarf team. So, um, and it was kind of cool too because I was playing at that point. I was playing the dwarves as well, so we were side by side, dwarf, dwarf, and dwarf just outside the gates, battling, beating off the beastmen, so that we could finally get in and maybe get to the goblins. <laughs> yes. Who were facing Bretonians who found the secret passage in for the second well, time that day? Yeah, they my brats had disappeared once, and then. A- <laughs> They reappear. <laughs> Boromir re- re-returned. Yeah. I didn't play my last few turns very smart. Like, if I was thinking about the scenario-wise, I, like, kind of threw away my peg knights and stuff. <laughs> so, where <laughs> I could have just flown them to claim objectives and stuff like that. Sure. But yeah, it worked I, out. I think one thing that would have been interesting is if every th- time throughout the day that we had checked objectives, we would have tallied points and then had a running total of objectives yeah. instead of just the last hour mattering. Because as it was, there was actually a disincentive to go for the objectives because whoever was currently winning would have something bad happen to them. Yeah, that was that was something I think in hindsight, hindsight that we should have yeah. kept a, a running score of the game. My only fear with that is if one te- one side got lopsided, yeah, then yeah. you would have the well. Why do I want to keep playing? They're up by like six objective points, and we're not going to eat that out. That's true. Although I think if we would have going into that final round, uh, the forces of the goblins, I think, had the objective points were up by like five or six, and um, the it took. That's why it took four armies yeah. <laughs> to claim enough objective points to eke out the win. So there was that too. So somebody else on the uh, goblin side was really paying attention to to uh, objective points, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> so that, there was that too. So I, I, overall, though, I think the the game itself went great. Um, I've got an opportunity to run another one in a couple of months at another convention. I thought for a convention, this was kind of the perfect style of an event because it gave you the opportunity as a convention goer. One, to play an army that, you know, that was supplied by the organizer. We had two armies for walk-ups. Now, I will say the Goblin Army, if for somebody that wasn't familiar with Warhammer, <laughs> was overtly complicated. 
<laughs> so it took a, and that was kind of I think it took away from some you know having to slow down and teach somebody what everything did in their army. Yeah. And then having to re-explain it. They couldn't, and it was tough for them to play it too because there was just too much random weird stuff. <laughs> but that was really cool. I mean, it's hard to have a Warhammer that you can really just walk up and play and start playing. Yep. So I thought it worked perfect for that. <coughs> oh, <Yeah>, good. For- <laughs> well, I was thinking, well, the next one I was thinking of doing like Warriors versus Warriors of Chaos versus Empire or something hmm. like that yeah. or or vampire counts versus that's another kind something of something too hindsight thing yeah so um I, I and I thought the 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 best thing I thought of the the game was so we laid the table out and it was you know he had the the dwarf side of the table where the dwarven underground was and then you had the the out outside the gates where it was the the green the green cloth was down and you had the various towers and structures and and various out, outdoor type elements and it, it helped the whole theme of the game and i felt like i was fighting the whole day i felt like i was fighting for the battle for Carrick eight peaks i was fighting you know i was helping support the dwarf effort to to retake the hold i felt like that the whole day did you guys get that feel as well at all or a little bit it was weird because like i ended up being in the hold just magically like both times yeah we, we can assume deployed, there was but... like a contingent of bretonians inside for some reason yeah but for some reason apparently yeah as as a goblin it was really fun especially because i started the day outside the gates and then um when i came back in after lunch i ended up coming into the depths of the hold and beating some dwarves out and there was some <laughs> some definite satisfaction in getting to beat the dwarves out of their hold yeah, yeah, we we sucked. <laughs> but then some more dwarves showed up, and the Bretonian allies remustered, and suddenly the goblins were looking a little less threatening. The oddest thing was the dwarves didn't invite the Bretonians to that fight. <laughs> they're trying to figure out where are they coming from. <laughs> I liked it. I, I I'm a fluff player, and I would recommend that if you do another event like this, that you, you don't drop the the fluff from it the fluff component because yeah it wasn't it wasn't really competitive so you could just play as part of this and and i did feel like i liked how you had the board set up and how there was like progression as you go down the board to get into the hold yeah i overall i thought that 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 was a big thing and i wanted to i advertised it as a a uh the battle for caricate peaks and and a day in that battle and i wanted to really capture that feel and in being a dwarf player as my first army and then now having also a, a goblin army and a night goblin army, the only thing I felt kind of bad about is that we didn't have Skarsnik himself huh. represented in the battle. Well, he was signing copies of his book. That's- <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he checked the vendor hall. He was he was probably in there. And the Skaven, they never made it out either. Yeah, they didn't. I thought about having uh, Skaven, but unfortunately, I didn't have enough Skaven painted to to really support the game properly. So I didn't bring, I didn't have them as part as an element in the game. That'd probably be another thing to think about, like you know, your stock armies or whatever, like your loner ones, to make yeah. sure those are really like the theme based ones or whatever. Well, we had a dwarf and a goblin yeah. army in this particular instance, so yeah, that was definitely part of the part. That was another part of my decision on why I wanted to run this battle versus. Yep. Versus a different one is I wanted to keep the stock armies that were on hand for walk-ups to be correctly themed for the day. Mm-hmm. Overall, I'm really happy with, with the turnout in the game itself. I'm looking forward to doing another mega battle at some point in the, 
in the hopefully not too far future. Like I said, I have another con that that has approached me to do a, a faint Warhammer fantasy event, and we'll see if I I can work something out with them. But I'd like to do that, and that'll be in Milwaukee in like January, I think. So, oh, you're going to be doing it at uh, that is mid oh, midwinter or some yeah yeah midwinter I think it is yeah 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 I've been approached by the by uh I think it's Tim I think his name is these. He's going to be doing, coming to Mayhem and running some intros for, I think it's Dark Age for Cool Mini or not, and you know, then return. He's been, he's like, well, you do Warhammer. You get this fairly, what looks like a fairly successful Warhammer event here with Mary Mayhem. Can you run something for me at Midwinter? And I'm like, well, yeah, I could probably work something out. I mean, really being in Milwaukee, you need some of the, the Milwaukee player support, but. If I can work it out, it's really close to uh, Wapaka too, so I'm not 100% sure. It's not the same weekend, but it's really close. And I don't know if I want to, this last three or four weeks going with, uh, you know, it was RockCon, Screw City GT, and Gamehole Con, they're kind of, those, that three week period was, uh, be all, quite honest, it was rough. <laughs> a rough three weeks since there was two events I was running, and I felt like by the time I got to Gamehole Con, it was like the final stretch. I, I didn't feel like I did nearly as much as I should have to prep and run that event. And it's still, when I, when we were done and we were playing all day, I was, you know, like, you know, you said you were, you're tired, Ryan. I was, I was just, at that <laughs> point, I was just exhausted. But it was so relaxed and, and, and enjoyable. And I did, the, the fun of the game came out and I had a really good time. And, and you guys are all there and, and part of it and helped out. So it was, and helped out and make sure that the game, the day was, was great. So. The best, uh, I think, the best thing though, the best, my best moment, of the my best matchup of the day was when I was across from Dustin's Goblin. So <laughs> that was great. Oh, those sphinxes! Yeah, <laughs> turns out that uh, goblins don't have a lot to combat war sphinxes. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, it was down to what two war sphinxes, then finally down to one war sphinx, and he, that one war sphinx had like a couple of wounds left or something like that. And it was dicey to see which one of us <laughs> ran out of models first. Cause like I had a war sphinx and I was having the test for crumble and you had a, like, like a couple of trolls or something like that. Or I, something. I had a couple of trolls, uh, a wyvern and then a giant that had come on as a special scenario objective. So yeah, it was like, hmm, how do I survive against this? And I, Somehow managed to luck out. I think somebody canned off the giant or something like that. Cause no, no, the giant. Or the, uh, the giant lived. The giant he? was the last thing alive. Spent three turns hunting down the war sphinx. <laughs> finally charged it and just oh yeah, it royally. <laughs> fell over the first round. Well, he didn't. Oh, how did he? Oh, yeah, he oh, yeah. must have fell over from he, losing the comet. Yep, didn't he? he he tried to thump. You made your initiative test. <laughs> fell over. Next round, tried to thump. You made your initiative test. Next round, uh, yelled and bawled, and the round after that just got eaten. <laughs> yeah, and the whole time I'm testing for crumble, you know. It's, so it was crazy. And like, Yay! You know, at some point it was kind of silly too, because we were like, you got like five models left, and I've got like two models left, <laughs> and we're just hanging on to see which one, you know. It was almost like, okay, we're just going to keep playing Warhammer here with like our four or five models, so somebody's out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's what happened. So, anybody else have any like big memorable moments of the day that maybe it might not have went went your way, but but uh, something you wanted to tell as a story of the day? I really didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah, I got I got beat up pretty much all day long. <laughs> 
don't know, playing defensively, I just never really did that much. Like I said, my the only thing I really accomplished was taking out the three beasts or whatever I managed to shoot out. <laughs> that was really all I did. I, you did keep me off of a couple of objectives that I otherwise would have had at the end of the game. Yeah. Because you, I couldn't risk getting too close to them. Yeah, you were able to sprawl out, and then at the end there, I like, I don't know, maybe I should have tried pushing a little more, but I guess I did manage to hold, like, two or three objectives where I was sitting. I just had kind of, like, my battle line set up, and you didn't really have anything to match it. So. Yeah. <laughs> we just kind of had a standoff there while you finished off the dwarves that were too far away for What's me to like help. What's it like to be able to move, to move across the board more than two, three inches? <laughs> when, you know, you can get to an objective. I know. Like, well, that was part of it. I mean, I'm, I'm so busy lately, I didn't really have time to think it through. I probably would have prepared, like, a different list if I was thinking about it, especially when you could just jump in and kind of throw all a caution to the wind. I probably would have ran something with more of my all-night list or Aaron Grail War pilgrims. kind of style. Grail pilgrims! <laughs> Brian will run them in a normal game, given a chance. <laughs> yeah, they haven't made it out in a while, but I think, yeah, if I played something like my Knights, it would have been a lot more interesting for me, I guess. Oh, we had a fun moment. Uh, right, the Mangler, the, the Horde of Longbeards. Didn't the Mangler come through that? Was that oh, you? Oh, yeah. So, Took out uh, like 25 Longbeards So there, or there was a horde of uh, Longbeards, still 40 strong, that... <laughs> A mangler squig managed to position, so he went straight through them and then ended up in front of them. So he did the full 5d6 hits. I think he killed close to 20 yeah, longbeards. quite a bit. Just the mangler. <laughs> it was glorious. I think that's... Uh, the moral of the story is, is that uh, a great themed battle or at least loosely themed as the case may be with a bunch of friends whether it's at a convention or in your basement is a, a great thing to do and go dwarfs go dwarfs <laughs> <laughs> or Oi, you lot of stinky goblins you ain't worth the bloody hole that you took get your stinky vermin asses out of the cold Cause we're going to split your heads from your necks with the axes. Oh, drink Trom there comes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really good dwarf, but whatever. <laughs> Speak a little bit of dwarf. <laughs> we know how to die. Alright, so let's go ahead, I think at this point we've recapped the game a bit. Let's go ahead and take a break and I think it was obvious we had fun. And we'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to go ahead and talk uh, real mega battles, or I should say real mega battles, but but the strategies you can use yourselves for making, running, and organizing your own mega battle game. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on Odana Road. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. They have. A huge selection of miniatures, everything from 5mm scale all the way up to 25, 28, everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every wargaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. Alright. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. We're back. Hey! That was exciting. <laughs> Brian, I think that was the most exciting thing I think I've heard you ever do. You pointed at me. I had to do it, man. Yeah, we're, we're trying out some, trying out a new thing, having somebody other Cues. than me say I'm back. This cues thing. 
wow, maybe maybe in another couple of years we'll have this this radio <laughs> thing down. Hey, uh, okay, so back from break, and we're going to go ahead then, I think, and talk a little bit about tips and tricks towards running mega battles or things that maybe you, people we didn't like that have we've experienced in previous mega battles and things that we really liked that we experienced in previous mega battles. Now, I'll ask the first question here. Outside of the the one we played at Gamehole Con that we just talked about, have any of you guys ever played in other big multiplayer games, whether it's like maybe a two versus two or a four on four or something like that? I know I've played plenty of random like two versus two, probably or at least one versus two for sure. But I've I would say I've been in like three big mega battles, like ever. I know way long time ago we did like the Dino mega battle. I don't even remember what that list I don't was called. Ever play in, I never played. You never in played in one of those. Oh. Oh. I only played in one of them. I didn't participate in the first one, but that was pretty fun. I don't even remember what the deal was with that list, but it was just a random. It was dinosaur random, monster list. Yeah, it was random dinosaur. <laughs> and that was the whole army. It was. Yeah, I don't the, even know where it came. Came from, out of the. It was originally published, I think, in a white dwarf. Like right yeah, around when Lizardmen came out, and then they republished it back when they were doing like the chronicles and the annuals and stuff like that. Sure. You know, the other year end supplement of things they released in White Dwarf for fantasy. I probably still have the rules for that list somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, so that was just kinda everybody versus the dinosaurs. And then one shortly thereafter, I mean we had a big Madison crew at that time, so we had just decided to run a mega battle and I think that was just kind of a good versus evil one was the second one and then we had some weird traitor stuff in there. Just to kind of make it a little more interesting. And then not too long ago, we did the Skaven versus the World. Was probably the only other mega battle okay. I've really done. Okay. Uh, how about you, Dustin? How, what do you, what's your mega battle experience? I've done... We had the one here in Madison. Was that about a year ago or so? Um, it was three or four versus... I think we had... Was a four, oh, was a I think it was 4v4. Four four. Trying to remember, we, we either I, had six or eight. Square, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. Was square. I was at that one. Might have been three on three, I think. Then, but uh, yeah, I've done that one, and then I've done a couple of forty k ones back in the mists of time. Okay, had one rather interesting five person game with an objective in the middle. One person camped on the objective to start with, and then one person in each corner. That one was bloody. Especially for the poor bastard in the center, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody just fire everything at the center of the board. Okay, now let's sort it out. <laughs> All right, Kenny, what, what do we, have you got any other Mega Battle gameplay experience besides that game at GameholeCon? Yeah. See, now you got me thinking, talking like going way, way back. <laughs> so the first one I remember doing was uh, 10,000 points, and it was 8-foot by 8-foot table. And we had uh, the Empire and the Dwarves, and I think a little bit of the Elves, uh, against like the Skaven and Chaos. And uh, I think un- I think it was just back when it was just undead, because I remember Nagash being on the table, and I don't know, maybe he just wandered in. But that was when they had the really big model for Nagash that looks like a, like a crazy kind of like strung out drag queen, like <laughs> stomping around the table. So that was, that was my first one. And then back in, this must be like 95 or 96 in Maryland, we did the Battle for Fi- Battle of Five Armies, which okay. was really neat because we had the Wood Elves, we had just the, the Eagles, the Dwarves, the Empire, and uh, the Goblins. So that was a really neat one. That was a, a long time ago. Uh, and then I think, 
maybe no, no, a couple other ones since then. And then when I was at the GW store in Maryland in Columbia, we had uh, for a while a couple mega battles that were going on for 40k and fantasy, and they were trying to sort of revive the game a little bit or revive the store and doing alternating weekends. So I did one right after Warriors of Chaos came out, where it was uh, six thousand, eight thousand points of warriors versus uh, the rest of us. It was, uh, I think, lizards, ogres, and um, tube kings. Okay. So it was a nice mix. It was uh, eight players in that one. Okay. That, that's good. That's good. So everybody's got a pretty decent base of, what about of you, Mega Cole? Battle experience. Well, of course I've got a Mega Battle <laughs> experience. I've run most of the ones that were here in Madison. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> no, obviously I've played, in all, I've played in all of them but the Dino Battle that you described. I've, the one that Dustin talked about <laughs> for the Fantasy one of the Square, I, I was the organizer for that one. Back in like some 6th edition games, there was a couple of Mega Battles. I remember playing at one that was in uh, a guy that was the league organizer at the time. Time his name was Matt. He organized this. Uh, it was I think we had six on six um, in his basement. It was just a really really long table and and you um, uh, that was a great game. I had a great experience there. I don't even remember what I played. I just remember the table being huge and <laughs> and hanging out with all the, you know. It was a huge group of people you know that were just playing in that game and. And I've, I mean, there's been a lot of them for me over the year. I think the the most memorable one was the trader one you talked about, where yeah, we were both lined up. Too. We were lined up. You know, I think there was five or six of us on a, uh-huh. on the side in that game. Do you have okay. a wish list? Is there a battle you really want to do? Is there a battle I really want to do? Um, yeah, I th- I think uh, uh, I, I at this point in my stage in my career, I'd like to do a siege, uh, a mega siege where. Maybe you have a couple of defenders versus three or four attackers. Um, that's that's big on my to-do or my want list. I've never done a really good siege either. It's yeah. kind of a tricky thing to do in Warhammer. But I, I think a, a one-on-one siege works. And I have, like, you know, the, the, when you buy, like, the, the Warhammer Cat Fortress, that which is what I have, yeah. it's uh, the perfect size for a one-on-one siege. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting maybe a couple more, so you can still get expand, you know, buy like the wall sections and the tower sections, so I could expand another a couple of wall sections and a tower section to to make it really be a, a two player size castle, you know, deployment zone, and then do like three or four players against them and and have like that, that kind of a thematic game. Um, Thinking of uh, Mega Battles 2, I remember the old the Battle of La Maisontel, which was in White Dwarf, which was it's a Bretonian versus I think Vampire Counts, and I can't remember if it's Chaos or there's a third army that's involved. It's a three player it's a three player three army game, and three players never seems to work very well when you have when all three of them have separate agendas and are all like they're it's, you know they're all out for themselves. It just never seems to work. You can like get four players that'll work in fantasy. Yeah. And two players that works in fantasy, and you know, five players even works in fantasy. But when you get three, it just never, always, <laughs> almost never seems to work. But the way that they structured it with like this, the this this monastery kind of in the center of the table. It's Brett's, it's Brett's VC, and I don't remember what the third army is. I think but it, if it's Skaven, yeah, Skaven, Skaven if might it's be historic. Yeah. yeah, it's a historical battle, and they've published it a couple of different times in White Dwarf and. And I, when I read over the rules there, I'm like, wow, this could really work. And if you got three guys who are kind of into the fluff and feeling these armies, I think this could be a really good game. Uh, so that's something that I, I'd like to do. 
Uh, I'd like, I really like the idea of the versus the world type armies where you get, <laughs> can get like three or four of the guys that are playing the same army just to kind of do this swath of, especially if it's a horde army. Like I think that's a really, Skaven was a, when we did the Skaven versus the world, that was really good because, yeah, that was really cool. Plus it was like when the book first came out, so it was kind of, you know, the book had been out for like a month or so, so nobody really had everything figured out to take the best Skaven options. And, like, Paul was, like, classic, I'm just going to field, he must have had 300 <laughs> plus, 300 or 400 uh, slaves in his list. So it was just this constant swath and wave after wave after wave of of Skaven slaves. So it was just, it was titanic in, the, in that respect. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, another, another versus the world uh, type game would be really cool. I'd really like that. So, all right. Uh, so that's de- that's definitely why you want to play them. I think that covers that. We all kind of laid out our experience, so we have an, an idea that we actually do know what we're talking about here. So let's talk about. Okay, some of us do, anyways. <laughs> Dustin rolls his eyes at me, <laughs> <laughs> and let's go ahead and talk about the structure. So going by on the experience of of what we've had and, and maybe as a, not only as an organizer but as a as having played in them, what was the structure of the games? Like how did you deploy? How did you? How, let's talk deployment for mega battles. Let's just start with that for structure. What what in your experiences has worked the best, or you felt was the most enjoyable from a, as a player to use? I haven't played too much variety as far as deployment. I think our uh, battle from Game Holcon was probably the most unique, and that was more for the table setup. Otherwise, it was just, I think every single other one was just alternating side. Like, each general would place a unit, or if there wasn't, it was mismatched numbers, you know. You would just place the same number of units each turn and sure take turns. There, There is a kind of the concept, too, of... Um, in in games like we used a game hole con where a player has a section of the board and that is where their units can go uh-huh. and then there's the concept and I've played both ways where I don't know in a mega battle you might have okay well deploy this unit here because it's going to support my unit so why don't you support put that cannon here and then I'll put my unit of cavalry over there on the uh, on the flank on the outside to support your infantry block. I think that always gets really rough like beyond like two people and like armies generally work when they're kind of consolidated, you know, they're fighting as an army. Sure. Together. I mean, that's how you written. I could see how you could probably write your lists together or something or have some weird rules where there's one general for everybody kind of thing and you sure. can use that leadership for both sides or whatever. Both players. Yeah, I I think I've found the mix-up units thing works pretty well as long as you don't have too much in one section of table. So if you're playing up to two players on a six-foot section of table, then it's fine. Once you have three players in that six-foot section or you expand your table beyond six feet, then it starts getting messy as you've got people running around everywhere kind of getting in each other's way. Yeah, I, I've done both, so I, I have that experience. I mean, but at the same time, it's kind of neat from a player perspective to be able to kind of discuss those tactical options of, hmm, 
well, if I put this unit of knights down there, that's a really good matchup for what they just deployed. So now I can support your gun line maybe a little bit better because you're trying to center that in the center of the table. I think I'm probably pretty skewed because I've primarily played undead, <laughs> and they really have to be kind of <laughs> together, especially True. vampire counts, to have your magic to actually make the army work. So, but yeah, some with Bretts, I would be all up for throwing them all over the place, you know, wherever they could support and sure. kind of look at it that way. I can say from an organizer and flow of the game, I find that if you limit somebody to us, you know, yeah. in the bigger games, uh, where you're talking three on three, four on four, and those kind of games, that you limit people to a section of board that they can put their units, whether it's a four foot, three foot, six foot, whatever. The case may be based on the size of the game. Yeah, it's just going to slow things down if you're having to run all over the place and kind of play sure. three different people at the same time. What do you think, Kenny? Well, yeah, I, I think it gets very messy, too, because I've seen games in fantasy and other games, too, where you put down so many models that there's literally nowhere to fit them. Like, if you think the one-inch <laughs> rule, like, you just you run out of space. And if you have horde armies or bigger armies, it can be tough. So uh, never having any kind of uh, flank, like having the entire width of the board open to you, when you're deploying, and then may, find some way to make sure that like the terrain isn't too heavy on that side, or something that you actually have room to put these models down. Like not even if there's a, a formation to deploy, but just that you have room to put them on the table, because that can really ruin the day really quick <laughs> if there's nowhere yeah. to go. Yeah, I uh, I played a 40k game where we had four people per side each with 2,000 points, but still playing on a 4x6 board. And we had Orcs and Tyranids on the same team. And (laughs) we ended up having to start leaving units in reserve because we had filled up every inch of our deployment zone. It was pretty intense. That happened to us, too, with the Orcs. Uh, I actually I asked the, my opponent. I said, "Would you mind if I run, if I run my vehicles over and kill my own grots just to because I, I have to go forward?" It's like, "Yeah, go ahead." So, like I just I sacrifice them. I'll kill them. Nice. Man, you had a, you almost had that problem. Really, you had that problem at GameholeCon with your Goblin Army, Dustin. Oh You're, yeah, you couldn't really. By the time you get it all deployed, you didn't barely fit or was just over the four feet. Because we had the special rule where you had to start everybody touching the table edge and. My army was physically longer than four feet long, so we had to kind of fudge our restriction that you got a four-foot section. <laughs> yeah, so that's important, too, I think, as a, from a uh, deployment and structure of the starting your game that you you take something like that and try to try to come up with something that works so it doesn't take away from the gameplay of those people that are that are playing an army like a horde army so that they can still play their army and enjoy and have fun in the game. Next up structures, let's talk the next the next phase of the game. So we're th- we're through deployment, we're th- we're set up, um, we've chosen however we're going to do that. Um, simultaneous turns for everyone or the more of a you play against the person across from you. Which one do you think works better? Now that we've I think everybody's here's done both. I really like the simultaneous turns. <laughs> like, I, my only experience with the kind of mixed up one was from the game Holcon one, and I think it just, it just kind of threw it off. Cause, like I said, like, the other, like, 
they were playing like so much faster it's like i don't even have a chance to react and it's like you got to charge me twice already <laughs> it's like i didn't get to do anything so okay. that was a bit unusual in our game i mean usually you would be defending against the person across from you a little more and maybe have one unit off wherever but i think i would prefer simultaneous and i think it just works better sure to balance the game out i don't know, i felt i didn't have anything weird come up while i was uh playing at game hall where all of my interactions with another uh, kind of person and all their interactions with me worked out really well. So I felt like for a game that size with that much space and that many people that trying to do simultaneous turns would have really dragged on because I've had games where one turn took over three hours just because it took everyone so long to agree and figure stuff (laughs) out. So... I think simul turns works really well when you're just playing on the space of one normal board, but as soon as you expand, then I'm more a fan of the turn across from you and don't worry about what other people are doing. Well, that's an interesting, that's a that, definitely opposite perspective. That makes me think too, I guess, I I do remember, like, especially like, I mean, playing vampire counts, I never had any shooting or whatever. So it's like I'm sitting here doing nothing, a whole shooting phase or whatever. Or if you're playing a uh, game without magic, it's you're sitting there while everybody's doing magic. And more commonly and universally, like a combat phase. It's like I didn't get to combat yet, but waiting to fight like this huge combat down on the other side of the table, and it's like you're just sitting there well, chilling yeah. out, kind of thing. Or, or they've got or that player or down there or that player down there on the other side of the table's got like three combats, so they got to resolve. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I could see that drawback, but usually Mega Battles end up taking a while. So it, I think like our game worked good for having the like just playing against the person across from you. Just because I mean it went like all day kind of thing. Sure. So maybe for yeah smaller mm-hmm. ones, it's better to do the simul still. Yeah, I, I don't can know. See both. Yeah. I'm, either way. What do you think, Kenny? <laughs> Be the deciding vote here. <laughs> oh, this isn't like an help. I can, I can see both too. I can see both. Uh, I think now knowing what happened, that you know, with like Trevor getting really excited, that, okay. <laughs> the now we know that happens, and that dwarfs can't actually do anything because you can't move <laughs> over there. Uh, that maybe they have to kind of like you know check thing for the next one. I could tell you how triumph and treachery works. I don't know if that would really apply to a big mega battle like this, but in that one, you select one unit. Or you, you basically you select one opponent on each of your phases. So you could, I guess, in your shooting in your combat phase, you could get other people. But you pick one person, and you can only affect that one person. So everybody else is considered a neutral unit. And even if you have collateral damage, if you have a template weapon, if something happens, you can't affect them at all. Mm-hmm. So it makes you really focus and pick on one person. So now if that happened in our game, and say, you know, he, Trevor set up and said, I want to go after the Bretonians, even though I'm physically <laughs> over here, that still might make it kind of weird. So I, I don't know if you have some kind of control for that. But, I mean, otherwise, uh, simultaneous is nice, but I, th- I have found the experience, too, yeah, where it can take up an entire, like, several-hour period just to do one turn. So I think I would rather go with the way we had it and just have it be kind of broken up and separate. Yep. I can say, personally, I've had Mega Battles where where I've played in, and we start, and it's 4 o'clock, and we're through, like, we started like 10 a.m. and it's four o'clock, so we're six hours into the game. We're like through four, make four turns, and then and then it inevitably happens like another hour later, and somebody's got to go, and then you have to pack yeah. the whole thing up because 
you couldn't get it done in the scheduled time because because uh, your simultaneous turn. At the same time, when you're playing simultaneous turns, you're playing within the rule structure that is Warhammer. So things pretty much work work normally. There's less fudging of the rules exactly. to make things work within what everybody expects is normal Warhammer. It does take a lot more patience on behalf of all of the <laughs> players playing in it, I think, because there's almost always inevitably going to be time that you have to sit and wait. The other big thing I don't like about a game like that me personally, that's might have a big drawback that nobody else mentioned, is that uh, if somebody gets wiped early yeah. to the point that they don't have a lot of stuff back, we talk about that, that traitor game you kind of mentioned where me and you lined up against each other, uh-huh. and I was playing dwarves, <laughs> and you're playing... Uh, I had Tomb Kings. Tomb Kings. And, yeah. <laughs> we were all playing special character general kind of thing. Yeah, it was all special <laughs> characters, all kind of themed off of Storm of Chaos, and Thorgrim ended up being the army general for the forces of order. And so, you know, your dwarves versus tomb kings back then, the traps <laughs> were just landing like, your, 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 uh, screaming, screaming skull spells, catapults yeah. were landing like crazy. I was just getting decimated. I had like one unit of dwarf warriors with Thorgrim in it. Um, get just about to your line. Too, uh, no, the anvil was, was in the dwarf the, player okay. to my, that, to my yeah, right. I remember that. And so pretty much we've just, des- it's like turn two in the game, or maybe turn three, <laughs> I think when we got to the point where we could reveal Traitor. Yeah. And we have just decimated each other. Yep. <laughs> and there's not a lot left. And okay, I have a panic check. Like the next turn, I've, we, we reveal our, tra- we, we draw our Traitor tokens, because you don't know that, you don't get the Traitor token until the end of the second turn or something like that. I, I don't remember something how like we worked that, that out. Yeah. So I get the trader token, and the whole time I'm playing my turn, I kind of back off a little bit, <laughs> and I know I'm going to be the trader, and I'm going to reveal the next turn, but you kept playing hardcore <laughs> and made my my dwarf warrior unit have to take a panic check that had Thorgrim in it. I panic, fail, and I think you ran me down. You ran it down. Somehow they got yeah. Just yeah, they wiped. ended up getting wiped off the to- <laughs> the ty- uh, wiped off the table on that turn. And then I'm like, okay, the next turn, reveal. And then we're like at three hours in the game, and I'm like, I got like ten models left. Why this is great. <laughs> And you had because we what we smashed each other so much. I didn't have much. Either. You didn't have much left, yeah. and your tomb kings you can't march. So all of a sudden nope. you're basically sitting there yeah. for the next <laughs> four hours of the game, not participating at all. Uh-huh. So watching everybody else have fun and the random silliness that happened that day. Yeah, I don't really remember that sucking too much, but it definitely happened that way. <laughs> so well, yeah, we kind of eliminated. Each I know. Other I know. For me, right it away. stood out. I mean, I, there was lots of cool things to kind of watch and hang out with, but it. But at that point, my uh-huh. game was pretty much over, and yeah. now I'm the traitor for for the bad guys. So bad guy, the, the good guys got a huge thing, yeah. huge up because the traitor ended up being decimated before <laughs> before he revealed. I think you hit an important point there, though, when you're talking about organizing the game. I think it's important it's, that what I would go into doing one of these is to have a backup plan. So you get a few people, they throw together ideas somebody may not have thought of. And if you have a structure set up or a narrative game like that, if, if something like that happens, and you got to have some kind of backup plan that the players agree on to keep the game going, so it's not like we just set all this stuff up and you know, oh, it's wasted. So whether it's like you know a, a Shyamalan twist or something in there, <laughs> or just, it's something to keep it going in the narrative. If it depends on what the players too what they want. Like for the idea of a mega battle is exciting for me just to see the, the sheer number of models on the table and to see that battle play out. 
So I don't really care about, you know, if I'm playing a losing side. But, you know, everybody has their own reason for wanting to be there. So, like, you as a player get something cool out of that narrative experience. Sure, sure. No, that definitely makes sense. And and I think uh, as, as I've grown as an organizer, I think I've approached that a little bit better and we'll get to talk about maybe some of those things here as we progress. So let's get into one of the other major contested components, one of the things that doesn't translate well from the core rules to Mega Battle Gaming, and that is the magic phase. Now it definitely doesn't, (laughs) like in old editions where each wizard generated his allotment of dice, it seemed perfectly fine to do whatever, but... Yep. Now, yeah, with your wins of magic or whatever, it's like, how do you do that exactly? So I think there, I think there's a couple approaches, and it goes, it kind of needs to mirror how you handle your initial deployment of the game. So uh, the first option is shared pool uh, that I I can think of, anyways, where everybody on the same side just shares the same pool of dice. Um. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I think like usually like one army doesn't have enough dice sometimes, <laughs> let alone all four. I could see maybe if well, no, that wouldn't work either. Well, you add dice. I'm gonna say that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so like say you you two d six. I guess did, you could run. We out did of like four d six or six d six for our game. I could it, see that working. I guess and it worked. Yeah, but some of the spells that really needed the, the dice just you know they couldn't. They didn't have the fuel. <laughs> Also, then turns into okay. Well, I'm gonna. If you do a shared pool, well, then you have a situation where okay, I'm gonna six die dwellers. Okay, I got irresistible. Okay, I miscast. I resolve the miscast. I lose d six dice. Well, I just lost another six dice. Well, there went twelve <laughs> dice out of the oh, pool, yeah. and nobody else's. That really just crossed everybody else's magic phase. But you got that very important dwellers off. Right? I think yeah. the moral of the story is don't be a greedy jerk and cast dwellers. <laughs> But there's oh, plenty of I like that. I like that. Why, why like else that. wouldn't you cast dwellers? I, I don't cast dwellers that often. I just started <laughs> casting it. I'm barely a six die monkey right now. Come on. Okay, so the other option is that I, I that I've used is to do when you do a deployment where each player has a section that then they can generate their own magic dice. And you orientate some targeting rules so that you can cover effects that target everything on the table, keep somebody from having a like uber range spell affecting something that's really doesn't apply to them at all. Maybe you know three board, board sections away or something. So, like we use that basically at Game Hole Con, where you could target something in the board section your wizard was in, and in the board section to their left and their right. That was your. That was the maximum target, and if you had a something that affected everything on the table, it only affected your board section that you were in. What do you guys think? Is that? I thought know? that worked pretty well. In that game, were you supposed to? Was like your neighbor supposed to generate? Well, get their own dispel dice against you too. Then, yeah. At all? Or you generated dispel dice, and you had the ability to stop the person that was across from you spells. Okay. But the person that was in, like, say, the board section to your left, mm-hmm. if you targeted them, didn't have dice to stop your spell. Yeah. That was supposed to be the responsibility of the person that was across okay. from you. I thought that worked perfectly fine. It was just the Trevor anomaly <laughs> in our game. Like, I don't remember what the hell he had, but it more or less is, 
his army was just flying like my direction and yeah he, i couldn't do anything to he stop was like it. mind razor i mean at least you had the, the dwarves had like the dispel bump and uh, i used the spell eating rune to get rid of mind razor I think yeah. it was. <laughs> so i mean that's that did come into an advantage at that time but yeah it was just, that was an anomaly and he was just like pounded on you yeah and just yeah and he had the uh it. the movement spell bound item which oh, was, yeah, was, 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 was really making him fly yeah yeah so i i think there's you know outside of that one situation that that happened that uh-huh. is pretty... I, I think it's the first time I've ever seen happen in a mega battle that I've run. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, way to go, buddy. <laughs> You've ruined Christmas. <laughs> I thought that was a good check and balance. I thought that, I I, thought it that was decent. really good, too. Yeah, I, I was also a fan. Okay, so, I mean, that's definitely something to take in not only my toolbox, but I think for you guys out there that are listening, you can take that as a way to handle magic phases that I thought worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get into, I mean, shooting is pretty straightforward. You can just basically, if you define those targeting rules the same, you just handle them the same that you used in the magic phase, use the same as in the shooting phase. So if things are sprawled out and it's a intermittent deployment, well, then you just target everything you can. But if you're, but if you're, uh, using that sectioned deployments, well, that cannon can't target something that's basically two games down or two sections well, down. Even then, depending on how big your sections is, like on a normal table, like your 60-inch range or 48-inch range seems like limitless and huge almost. But when you get that long stretch of table, like I had my 60-inch trebs, which normally seems huge, but I could just get the section next to me, and that was really it. And that, that was if true. I was close to that edge. Like I had my four-foot section, I could barely get into the section next to me, and that was about it. As sure. far as targeting. Yeah, so I think the range really limited it itself. I think it becomes a little more of a problem with cannons, which are, what, 72? They uh, are that long? No, I don't think so. It's no. 48 and 60. Really? For the Empire. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was so still... Did they used to be longer? I could have sworn one of them was 72 at some point. Yeah. Maybe been. I'm just crazy. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there was a war machine that used to have that kind of a range. The, uh, the old Imperial Guard Basilisk in... 40k which was 120 inches <laughs> which is like, why 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 does this thing have a 10 foot range <laughs> for mega battles obviously shoot the store next to you <laughs> yeah. uh, there was i i read about events where they had like lines of tables set up and uh an imperial guard player on one table was just lobbing artillery three tables <laughs> over like just dragging the tape measures past people's games that were not affected at all and just like Hey guys, artillery. <laughs> At the same time, that's actually kind of believable too. Yeah, that's like, the way it would work. That, that's how it really works. Like if you can that see really the cool, artillery, yeah. it's not doing its job. <laughs> it does make it more exciting. <laughs> so, I, and that actually does bring up a, a something that I've done before in a mega battle that that in fantasy that didn't has not been done. I don't know that any of you guys have participated. Maybe Brian. Where we did a two-table mega battle, where it was the the game occurred over two tables, where one game was being played basically by on its own. Um, it was the main battle, and then the other game was to see if you could get your units off of a board edge and then into the main game. I do vaguely remember that. 
And it, I, it was like a five. I think we did it like five hundred points or a thousand points. It was a really low point game because there was a lot of there was like eight or ten players playing in it, and we had like I think two four by six or four by eight tables. So there really wasn't a lot of table space to pull the whole thing <laughs> off on. So it was a smaller points game, but I thought that worked out really well too. Yeah, something like that would be pretty interesting. It just yeah. So, I, I mean, the only other thing that you have left in the game as far as normal structure of the game would be uh, close combats. And those confer themselves rules-wise just fine. There's no real brokenness of... The only brokenness you might have in a, in a combat is if you have three units from three... If you have like a three-player or a four-player game where it's everybody out for themselves... You can have situations where you have three units in combat that are all controlled by different factions. Yep. <laughs> in which point, okay, one faction won. Okay, they're a def- defined winner. They had a combat result of ten, and everybody else had an eight and a six. But how do you resolve the flea moves for the eight and a six if they both break? <laughs> and so things like huh. that can get a little messy. I even Don't thought do about that person. <laughs> <laughs> As long as you're prepared and have something kind of ready so that everybody understands before going in, though, how that's going to work, then you're probably okay. And generally, I think even that situation is is probably not horrible to have a, a reasonable result to the resolve. Yeah. Like, I would say, for example, you could do, uh, okay, both units break. The player who won the combat can, must choose which unit he's pursuing. Mm-hmm. I I think that or even something if you wanted to make it a little less swingy with only one unit can lose a combat. So sure. whoever has the lowest combat res ends up losing and they can potentially break and the other two are stuck in combat with each other. Sure. be another way to go. But yeah, I, I think as long as you figured it out beforehand, there's a lot of uh, reasonable options. Sure. I think... Maybe blanking, but on Triumph and Treachery, and this is where you can only fight one person per phase. Like, if you have a multi-combat like that, uh, the other units get kicked out one inch away. Kind of like a building where you have to you get pushed out and then you have to come back in. So that's that's one thing they do. But that could be very difficult if you have, like, all those people fighting. And mm-hmm. it really counts. Because, uh, like, the rest of the game in, in Triumph and Treachery is you get to attack one person each phase. But we're, you know, if you're only doing that for this one combat in the one close combat phase, then yeah, that's not really going to work. True. Not to mention unit positioning, all of a sudden gets really ugly there too. So <laughs> yeah, you know, like oh hey, well I'm going to pick to fight against this guy that's only got two models in base contact with me, and oh sorry, you that had that other unit that was flanked and is in my front now is pushed out. That just doesn't seem. I mean, so at some level, for me, for as a player, it doesn't seem right. I mean, it seems kind of gamey to like, oh, hey, well, the unit that would have a better chance of beating me, I'm just going to use the game rule to push it out an inch away. seems a little gamey. But at the same time, it seems like an equitable way to resolve and handle that situation. Yeah, it's really complicated. So, I mean, I haven't played it enough to really see what would work best. It can, it can get messy, but I think there's a lot of uh, viable ways that you could resolve that pretty easily and pretty quickly yeah all right so then uh what other i I think we can get into some of the kind of optional rules that you can kind of consider 
um, for a reason to pl- not only the re- uh, not only uh, to structure the game to make it function better, like we've kind of been talking far about, but rules that you can kind of add to a mega battle to add to the enhance the fun, enhance the flavor of the game. Why are we playing this big mega game where there's six or eight players on a side or four players on a side or two players on a side? Why what why is this game occurring in the and and how can we add to that flavor of that game? I think that's what really defines a mega battle a little more for me because otherwise it's almost like you're all just kind of lined up on the same table and still just playing the guy across from mm-hmm. you. So I think these rules are really what ties the whole field together. Sure. And like I mean we did that trader one was kind of interesting <laughs> and just having like the specialized lists like the Skaven versus everybody kind of thing. I guess that's a little different than just the rules. It's more theme stuff is what I'm thinking of. Well, that's that's but, I, I think where we're going here. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's I don't know, just really what actually is the meat of the mega battle to me. Sure, I I I think the as an example is like the themes are in the, the special rules that can kind of add them. Like we talked the traitor scenario where you have like at the end of turn two, okay, everybody on a team draws a token. One of them's marked as the traitor. On the beginning of turn three, they have to reveal it, oh, or at any subsequent turn, yeah. the start of any subsequent turn afterwards. At which point, you know that they have to reveal it at the end of the game. No matter what, at the end of the game, they are considered part of the other team. And uh, that's that was that was a really cool feel, especially when that in that particular game we mentioned earlier, where you, the two of us, Brian, you were or Brian and me, were we were playing. That was a themed Storm of Magic game. So uh-huh. we had Bellicor, we had Archaeon, yeah. we had a lot of the big Storm of Magic uh, characters at the time um, in that game duking it out, and then it was hilarious when Archaon turned traitor and then fought Bellicor. <laughs> yeah. he, got, he got pissed off. Yeah, he, he, Archaon was the opposing, was the army of darkness, the, the army of disorder traitor, his his <laughs> army. And he literally, the, him and Bellicor were lined up, you know, the army, the demon's army and with Bellicor were lined up right next to each other. So literally Archaon did a 90-degree turn and went straight for Bellicor. He was, <laughs> Bellicor must have pissed him right off. And the two of them duked it out. And who would have thought Archaon was better than our Bellicor? <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, was another one of those crazy moments from that game that I, I still remember to this day. Even though you know, I had plenty of time to observe it at that point. <laughs> Go, what? <laughs> that just happened? <laughs> Split tables, you know, if you're playing on a facility that doesn't have enough space to lay out 24 feet of table or something like that, and you need to, and you need the space because you're going to have that many players, then maybe how do you do, uh, you know, organize it in a split table um, and, and implement some rules for that on maybe how do you, how, how units can, from one game can merge into units from the other game. I, I remember we did one at my, at my old house where uh, I think there was four or Five of us, or something like that. Before, I mean, there was like I think it might have been uh, a one-on-one game and a two-on-two game. So it was like I think three on a side, and the one-on-one game there were or on both tables there were portals, portal points, and every turn you would roll for like every unit that was within X of a portal, and it would uh, disappear from one table and appear on a, <laughs> on the equivalent portal 
you'd have to redeploy it, you know, with it, you know, touching the equivalent portal on the other table. I think that'd be really cool. Debates <laughs> <laughs> for some crazy randomness, like, yeah. okay, I'm in great position with these black orcs. Boop, whoops, <laughs> nope, they're now good in position to get like double charged by some chaos knights and some other stuff. Great, <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of interesting and fun. Just random silliness. Um, theming it maybe you know if you're gonna theme it off of a siege game like we you know, things that we talked about that I wanted to do before or do in the future the themed games okay you know the Skaven versus the world well we added a rule that any core unit that was destroyed from the Skaven could re-enter the board on the following turn on a dice roll I think it was a four plus or something like that um, touching their board edge and coming on the board as if it as if it was the remaining moves play phase. And you would just keep testing for a unit, no matter every turn, if it was wiped. So you could, you know, help the Skaven players continue to to feel like it was this unending wave of <laughs> of rats. Um. So there was that. That was a special rule that we've used. Uh, what else? Uh, what other special rules? Maybe you guys have encountered. That you thought was really cool that maybe we haven't discussed that helped add to the flavor or the theme of the game. Yeah. Well, I have I have three. Okay. Uh, well, you, so you touched on one, which is the waves, uh, and I think like you think about big battles or if you like the Lord of the Rings movies, whatever you know. There's like this the, the tide keeps turning in the battle. So I like the idea of having the waves where you know your game. You may think it, one person's up, and then I guess the way maybe you do this is have reinforcements, uh, like in, in the mega battle that you guys did it. Game old kind, you know, people could go out and re-rack and come back in. So you felt like you always had that continual, like, surge into the game. So I, I think that was kind of neat for the, the idea of, like, the big mega battle and how it keeps... Okay. It never ends. Uh, I think another one also... The idea of, like, uh, why they're playing... So, yeah, you have to you have to have, like, some theme around what you're doing. But the idea of uh, the relations between the armies, and the only one I can think of that exists right now is like the Longbeards have the the panic, the old grumbler rule, where you know the army doesn't want to panic because they don't want to run in front of these guys and have to listen to them <laughs> later, you know, like moan and, and groan and complain. It's so kind of like the Conzi rule, right? Yeah, but you think you kind of have that, right? So if you had like the elves and the dwarves lined up, you, you, I mean, would the dwarves like would the elves get a little bit more of a boost because the dwarves are watching? You know, with the dwarves, like, definitely not run because the elves are watching. So, I mean, there's something you could do right that, too, that might kind of, like, change either re-rolling panic tests or a leadership boost or something that you can't abuse, but that would add a little bit of that flavor to it. Sure. No, I I definitely get that. That would definitely be something I could I could see. And you said you had a third one? I think the most important one when you do a mega battle, at least for me, is that you want to get something you've never seen. So like you had the uh, every hour you had something come in, uh, and but w- what you selected though wasn't all random stuff we already had. So you had like the zeppelins coming in, you know that is something I've never seen before. If I'm going to uh, another game and they have a monster I've never seen, like uh, you write up a special character or you special monster. If there's a special piece of terrain that's from the fluff or in the books, but you've never actually seen, there's no model for it. So something that you've never seen before, and you get that experience out of it. That's actually a, a cool one to add and add, uh, I think, uh, uh, theming a game off of off of a, a, a special model or use of special models. Maybe it's a forger model that you really want to include. So, 
it's in the game and it has a function and impact on the game and it's really maybe the army's coming together to try to gain control of that or or it's just doing some random things uh, during the game. I remember like one of the old uh, multiplayer games, or I think maybe it might not have been a multiplayer game that I played, but it was a game that I played where we had like pools in the middle of the table and the pools on like a 4 plus or a 5 plus would generate a chaos spawn that would just randomly <laughs> move around the table. So it was this really, really random thing. And of course back then chaos spawn were far more effective because you had less attacks at, at them. So all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's this basically horrible thing that's going to cause me giant problems. Uh, so yeah, you could definitely add something like that. And all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, I'm going to have this charge. Oh, crud, the spawning yeah. pool just spat out of spawn, and he's now in my way. It's incentive to build something, too. Sure. Sure, you could build a, a big, big, giant floating fortress and try to replay the capture of that or something. That would be awesome. So there's definitely some great ideas there, and I think at this point... Um, We've wrapped up kind of discussing the various things that we could add to a Mega Battle game that'll make it interesting and fun and, and why you'd want to play in one, right? I think yeah, we covered yeah. that pretty well. I, I think there's one thing um, that should be mentioned Okay, is that it's really important to look at what your teams are. Because um, I've played in Mega Battles that have a vast imbalance of skill levels where sure. it ended up... Usually it was we'd randomly decide or oh, all the forces of order go over on this side, forces of disorder go over here. And sometimes it ends up that you've got a collection of really skilled, experienced players versus a collection of people who don't have that skill and experience. And that doesn't tend to be as fun of a game for anyone. Just trounce those unskilled players to the <laughs> ground. What, what do you mean? Take your win when you can get it. Come on. No, no, it's, it's definitely, you definitely got a huge point. That's uh. Uh, a mega battle is something that, uh, uh, you know, these big multiplayer games, it's something that uh, it sh- should be more about the fun and the experience. Yeah, sure, it's a game. There's ultimately going to be a winner and loser, but uh, some lucky case, sometimes there could be a draw. But <laughs> it's, it's so much more about the experience of the game and everybody having fun and, and being able to take this usually longer period of time to complete the game experience. So it it can sour somebody if you just you know wreck them or crush them fast or something like that. Mm-hmm. And not that that doesn't happen, but if you can try to put things in place to try to avoid that and to try to balance the, the player skill level and, and do those kind of things, uh, it works out the better for, I think, everyone involved. You know, one thing that GameHokan did well, and we've been fortunate to have is a well-ventilated, air-conditioned area where you don't have that many gamers. You know, you've been playing all day. You get that many gamers in close quarters. They get excited. (laughs) It smells. So you have something, you know, some checks and balances there, whether it's a large (laughs) ventilated area, deodorant, Febreze, something to, you know, keep that tolerable. One of the things I remember going to Gen Con many years ago <laughs> and Gamer Funk at the time was at like an all-time high. I remember going to Gen Con. <laughs> it was like the the year first year they moved to the indie and uh, at the, the they, they had signs all over the hotel you're staying at has soap. <laughs> Jeez. And, and 
But it wasn't like it was like not an uncommon occurrence that year to walk through the halls and you'd see somebody just crashed laying there snoring or sleeping in like one of the hallways that were you know around the convention center. It, that wasn't uncommon. Like people just went to Gen Con and just crashed in the halls. Huh. Weird. <laughs> that's that's foul. And I think they've. I think in. I think since then they've done a little bit better securing and policing that, but. Um, I didn't see anything the last couple of years I've been there, but that was, you know, like they just showed up for four days and just gamed hard and crashed in the venue. I guess that's the way to do it. It's crazy. Hmm. A little bit past the whole con living thing, I think, now. <laughs> okay, so has anybody else got anything extra to add? I think that's, we probably did that pretty good, I think. I feel good about it. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Okay, today folks on Conzie's Rant, the steam will definitely blow out my ears again as we talk about Dark Elves. That's right folks, it's all you Dark Elf players out there that are just putting your Dark Elves back on the table now just because there's a new book out. You Dark Elf players that are buying armies for the first time, getting on the Dark Elf bandwagon. Stop it! You're wrecking my Dark Elves! How can I self-respectingly play my Dark Elves when half the guys at the store are turning out buying new Dark Elf armies and putting them on the table too? It's just Dark Elf versus Dark Elf, and I don't like that. That's not cool, so stop that. I don't want to turn up and be, be feel like I'm the bandwagon guy. I've been playing Dark Elves for, I don't know, 15 years. I don't want to, I'm not the bandwagon guy here, but all you guys showing up at tournaments playing your Dark Elves, your new and new Dark Elf armies with all your plastics, it's just wrecking my fun, so just stop it and let me play my Dark Elves, and the rest of you guys, you can't play them unless you've been playing them for 15 years. You got that? Okay. That's the Conzie's rant for this time, so. I think I'm going to start a Dark Elf army. I, I think the, me too. I think <laughs> hey, the, moral, sale. <laughs> the moral of the story is that it's kind of not necessarily takes away from the enjoyment so as i know what you mean for sure i mean it's not even just dark elf specific it's i don't know the bandwagon thing when a new book comes out or whatever is usually pretty prevalent it's been a lot better lately though i think no i I think the real moral of the story is that konzi is just angry and bitter (laughs) there is that too but yeah i definitely he just doesn't like getting beat Mm. by new dark elf people i'm a little confused (laughs) the fact that they're all better than me too doesn't help (laughs) did you just did you just pimp slap ben curry or what just happened no he's been he's got his army for like 15 years has it been 15 years i don't know about that but he meets the cry he's he's been playing him for like bloody forever it's only been 12 noob yeah Yeah. rookie (laughs) send him out (laughs) <laughs> just because you can wipe the table with me any day of the week if you want to don't be nothing but whatever like you guys playing your dark elves and the women that are clothed I don't know what you're yeah. talking about and their hair is flat yeah <laughs> what is that you get the big poofy hair witch elves come on they're like 80s bike yeah. chicks <laughs> I like the metal mamas <laughs> yeah if you don't have if your witch elves aren't those and the, <laughs> and then, get off the get your dark elves off the table now they got these weird pants that say juicy on the back and yeah it's just not right yeah <laughs> that was the full joy of a Conzie's rant Kenny how do you how do you like that that was pretty good huh see right the there steam in the flesh. off yes tell you what I, I feel my ears ringing now waiting for the uh, comments off of that one <laughs> <laughs> like a, a bottle of blood pressure medication right next to you while you do that 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. That we need the paddles. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into one of my favorite segments of uh, the show, and that's setting our upcoming goals for what used to be for the next two weeks, but now it's really sometime after Merry Mayhem. So what, what are our hobby and gaming goals for to be try to reach for probably the next three weeks, four weeks? Brian, do you got any? Uh, you going to finish some ghouls? It's rough. Um, hopefully. I could see that happening. I don't know. Like I've been really busy lately, but I did get some work in there. But that's because I've been ignoring stuff, so <laughs> I've got, I'm kind of way behind at the moment. So it's hard to feel too positive about getting too much done. And wrapping up the end of the semester here is going to be pretty busy with exams coming up and everything. I think I should finish those five ghouls pretty quick, but hopefully I'll keep going on those. And I haven't played. I mean, I played at the Rock Con and then at the Big Bowl Falls was kind of my well, not Big Bowl Falls, whatever. <laughs> The, the game hole con, whatever yeah, we called that. Con. Yeah, I'm just making stuff up. The battle for Karaoke. Yep. And that was really all my gaming, so it'd be nice to get some more regular games in here somewhere, but like I said, I have no clue. I'm, yeah, it's probably pretty bleak till the end of the semester, and yeah. that's when, when, when Mary Mayhem to, when, will be here. With a bunch of players, right after Mayhem, and then uh, a bunch of players are gone, and the holidays wreck the game store op- <laughs> when the game store's open, and that kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> Brian will be ready to play games, and everybody else won't have time. <laughs> Stupid holidays. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> so, Dustin, you got any goals you're trying to shoot for here? You can get some more Samurai Chaos guys done? Well, I have pretty much exactly one month to finish my painting for Mayhem, which has got to be one Doom Diver and one Mangler Squig. And then I think I'm going to be really optimistic Assume that I'm going to get a lot of painting done over the the winter holiday times and hope to get 500 points of Samurai Warriors done by January. That shouldn't take a lot. That's like one figure. <laughs> uh, 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 there's a unit of 12. It's like, like a Chaos Lord. I've got 500 points done. <laughs> oh, you mean legitimately legal maybe to Field Army? Yeah, yeah that one. Okay. There's like 500 points of chaos. Eh, well, I got my demon prince there. Done. No, I I think he's only like 350 something the way I run him. It's time to tweak him out the way the rest of the internet does. <laughs> Dustin, you and your non-standard, non-internet lists. The internet is never wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know what I'm thinking. I'll I'll repent and start netlisting you guys. They're I'm very sorry. tough people. I learned everything I know about Warhammer from the internets. <laughs> yeah, I still can't win. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenny, this is your first time to kind of participate in this wonderful segment. What do you think you can try to shoot for in the next few weeks? And if you say grading papers, <laughs> that's not qualify. Try it. Well, what do I want to do versus what I actually realistically do? Realistic. We, just, we set realistic goals in this segment, realistic not want goals. to. Uh, I will finish uh, assembling those avatars of War Dwarf. Uh, Pathfinders, the Rangers, and the Thunderers, and I will finish the Bastilladon, I think, and get that last Ribrodactyl put together. Well, you need those for like this Wednesday, yeah, or right, Tuesday, right? <laughs> so I need to, I need to get. I guess I'm going to focus on my painting for uh, Mayhem. So I want to, while I have the army that I turned into you, I have all those painted. It's not the models I want to use. I want to finish this uh, Iron 
what do you call it, Ironbreaker unit that's like a mixture of the past three editions of uh, Dwarf Metal Ironbreakers. And I need to, I want to paint the Runesmith that's from the Kickstarter Osworn Dwarves. That was the unique 16, now I think 20 Dwarf models that are only from this guy. So there's some good stuff in there actually that I would like to use. So if I can get that done and I have to paint one War Machine, uh, I think I'll be pretty happy. That sounds good. That's a, definitely a, a positive goal. My goal will be to continue to paint models like a madman so that I can outdistance Andrew Sherman and <laughs> and, and make sure that he wear, has to wear a Wisconsin Badger shirt in downtown Toledo come 2014. Because, <laughs> after all, I think uh, by me winning this, he's really winning in the end because I, wouldn't, I don't have no idea why you'd want to wear an Ohio Buckeye shirt. That just doesn't make any sense. It does not compute. A bunch of horrible college football team <laughs> and college that it is. Well, okay, I'm I'm a I'm a Badgers fan, but whatever. It looks like a target too. If you you look at that that red O from across <laughs> like the field or if you're in the gaming hall, I mean you just kind of want to put an arrow in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a bullseye. Um but yeah, it's uh Really, I, my big focus has been trying to get Skaven done. I've been taunting the idea of taking the Skaven to Apaka this year instead of my Tomb Kings. I know my Tomb Kings will score better in the appearance scoring by far, but I'm really thinking the gameplay, I'm going to be more competitive and more enjoy my games a bit more if I'm playing the Skaven, where it would be a situation where maybe I can win three or four of my games rather than winning two of my games, which would be my expectation with the Tomb Kings. And those two games may or may not occur during the tournament. <laughs> You've played uh, your Tomb Kings quite a bit at most of the recent events, yeah, tournaments that, and such, haven't that, you? That is the, the big thing, is that if I play the Tomb Kings, I have far more experience with them, and I could put together a list without having the, out of what I have painted to not have the guesswork of I'm not 100% sure how this is going to perform on the table when I'm submitting the list, which is kind of a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to test it out and you want a a guaranteed win to get your confidence up, it's one of the two armies I haven't played against yet. The problem is I I can't field it until it's painted. Colby's challenge. But you said you have enough that's painted, right? I don't have 2,000 points painted yet. (laughs) Are you talking about your Tomb Kings? Uh, Tomb Kings, I have pa- Tomb Kings are painted and ready to go. The Skaven, I don't have two thousand points painted. I, Skaven, uh, the Tomb Kings, I feel confident submitting a list today, and I I would perform as well as I'm going to perform with the uh, painted models. It's a Skaven that I feel like by the time I have them painted, I won't have any time to play test the list before list submission. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get to play test any of my lists. I found in the past, especially for PACA, PACA ends up falling in one a tournament that I, I tend to submit a list off my cu- off the cuff of my wrist and then show up and either the list works as expected or I find that there is just something obnoxiously bad in the list. <laughs> and if I would have played, played it like once or twice before showing up, I would have been like, no, this is really bad and I need to get it out or <laughs> no, this doesn't fit in the deployment zone right and I should never have taken it. Because now it's just outside of my leadership bubble. I've done that before. Or I just can't jam everything I need to in the leader bubble. So those are the kind of things that I, I think I would want to try with the Skaven a time or two before I actually field it up well, and play the army. Well, paint faster. 
I'm working on it. I've got the two warp landing cannons are almost finished. So from a hobby perspective, those will be finished before probably over the Thanksgiving Day weekend, which may or may not be before the show releases. And then I've got the next bot batch of Noblar slaves I want to get done. And that'll get me to like 130 or 140 models painted for the army of like the 250 that I need. <laughs> So I'm feeling in good shape. Probably after the novel, I would like to say by the next time I record, if I can have the next batch of Noblar slaves done, the flagellant slaves done, and the the two warp lightning cannons done, and have the next big thing that I'm big big unit project. I think I'm going to do the the next big project that I'm going to do is after I get that completed will be the plague monks and the the plague furnace to go with it. I'm going to get that built and ready to go which will be a cool mix of old plat or the old metal plague monks and the new plastics plague monks so i gotta kind of build a couple of and see how they scale next to each other okay so what did we talk to get talk about today guys all kinds of mega battling mega battling and we <laughs> talked about game hole con and and generally our experiences there and we were all there so it was kind of a a nice central focus talking point Brian, how do you get a hold of the show and the host here? I think you can email us. Yep, you can definitely email us at hosts at wiscodice.com. You can also go download our show not only from our website at wiscodice.com, but also via the following media. Got some iTunes and some Blackberry podcasts and Stitcher Smart Radio. Yep, we're listed on all those. And if you are looking for us somewhere else and you don't see us, please shoot us an email and let us know. We'll be happy to try to find out what it takes to get listed there. Make sure you check out check us out on Facebook. We have both a Facebook page and a group there. The group is more of a discussion forum, considered our replacement to the forums we used to have on our website. We also can be found on Twitter. You can tweet us at WiscoDice or you can tweet me directly at Dugan Brightax. Do any of the rest of you have Twitter contact information? Nope. Kids these days and their Twitters. Kenny, you're all about the Kent, the Twitter. Yeah, I have a personal one at, at Kenny Lull. It's uh, L-U-L-L, like the very boring word. And then uh, we have at Combat Phase Podcast is one of ours, too. All right, excellent. And finally, you can catch us on Google+. And you just hit us at wiscodice at gmail.com on Google+. And go ahead and follow us there and... We do actually post things there on occasion, and it's uh, definitely a media we like to use. So I know some people kind of talk about Google Plus as something that they, yeah, yeah, we we have that account and just kind of their placeholder for letting you know when we release shows. But we try to put some stuff up there every once in a while that's not just related to a show release. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for coming into the studio today and hanging out and, and talking Warhammer. It's been great. Woo! Thanks for listening to us. Yeah. Thanks for having buddy. Yeah, yes, yes, it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought, I thought that if I would have got to play in the Mega Battle too, I would have just recycled my army like every 30 minutes. It would have been great. I would have stalled the whole thing out. It would have been awesome. <laughs> and you guys would have had to suck it. <laughs> Are you making fun because I got killed off the table every 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah, you, you're pretty you're pretty funny. <laughs> I would have been lined up against Kenny and I would have crushed him. Because <laughs> I am the best. Yes, yes. Because I learned everything from the internet. <laughs>
and that's why you can't have nice things. <laughs> that guy is always a prick, I, I swear. <laughs> but you still love him. That's why he's a fan. Been here since day one. It's a vestigial 20 has, really. Yeah, I know. That's pretty rough. Anyways, thanks all for listening. It's been great. Peace out. Later. Later.